0: Repeat after me, the world is not run by satanic, cannibalistic child pornographers. Hi, this is Phil Gursky, President and CEO of Borealis Threat and Risk Consulting in Russell, Ontario, Canada. And you're listening to Quick Hits, a podcast about national security and public safety. came across a really interesting article recently in New Scientist magazine. I think I've referred to New Scientist on many occasions in the past. Been reading it for the better part of oh, probably 40, 45 years now. This was in the 9th of October edition of this year, entitled The Mysterious Memory Gap. Can memories resurface after decades in hiding, or is it a cruel trick by the brain? This is an interesting phenomenon that somehow we have repressed memories about bad things that happen in our lives and that these repressed memories can only be resurrected through the help of therapists, et cetera, et cetera. The reason why I'm raising this is that I want to talk about an interesting phenomenon that got some headlines in the 80s and the 1990s. And this was this notion that a whole bunch of people could blame current behavior on the fact that they had been abused as children, repressed the memories, but those heinous, tragic acts that had befallen them were somehow manifesting themselves or getting channeled into current bad behavior. And they cite an example of a man who murdered his father and who had dementia. And then he said that his father had actually engaged in sexual abuse when the, when he was a child and it turned out that the, the father hadn't abused him at all. This was sort of called, you know, missing memory syndrome or, um, there was a high-profile memoir back in 1980 called Michelle Remembers. It was a account of a woman who, in therapy, retrieved memories of being abused by a satanic cult whose members included her mother. As it turned out, this, of course, was all bullshit. Uh, the methodology or the strategy of repressed memories has been uh, highly undermined. The article goes on to say why this is probably not actually happening in the human brain. The reason I'm, I'm talking about this today is that we're seeing this... It's not repressed memory, but we're seeing this return to this notion about satanic, Satan-worshipping pedophiles. And the best manifestation of this is from QAnon. You've all heard of QAnon. It's it's uh, some mysterious internet figure called Q, who is the head of an internet conspiracy theory, which alleges, falsely, no shit, that the world is run by a cabal of Satan-worshipping pedophiles. This is an article in the New York Times that goes on to say that in addition to molesting children, members of the group kill and eat their victims to extract a life-extending chemical called adrenochrome. Now, surprise, surprise, Donald Trump, the ex-president, worst president in U.S. history, bought into this kind of crap. He fed these conspiracy theories. He told the people that there there were these cabals. Maybe he didn't use the word Satanist, pedophile, cannibalistic. But he said that there were these people behind the scenes that were rigging the show and going against the will of the American people. And this, of course, manifested itself most dramatically in the January the 6th invasion, insurrection, riot, frat party gone wrong at the U.S. Capitol, where Trump had said that, in fact, the election had been stolen, that some kind of cabal had either destroyed votes or miscounted votes or reallotted votes or whatever And as a consequence, hundreds of people descended on the U.S. Capitol to, you know, steal back the election that Donald Trump had legitimately won. Uh, No, he hadn't. And of course, you're all familiar very much with the action that took place on that day. Whether we call it terrorism, that's another completely different matter. But getting back to this satanic pedophile cult. Now, normally, I wouldn't pay a lot of attention to this. I mean, any idiot. Who thinks that the US government and Hillary Clinton is actually a Satan worshiping pedophile is a useless, incompetent, waste of space wanker that I really don't want to waste my time thinking about and worrying about. But on occasion, these wankers can actually turn serious and plan actual acts of violence. So on December the 4th, 2016, a guy called Edgar Madison Welch from North Carolina walked into a restaurant called the Comet Ping Pong, which is a bizarre kind of name if you think about it, but it's a pizzeria in downtown D.C. And Welch walked into this restaurant arm. He fired three rounds inside the building. He was arrested. No one was injured. And when he was asked why he wanted to do this, he said, and I quote, he wanted to self-investigate the conspiracy theory that in fact, Comet Ping Pong was part of a child trafficking ring. And it got its own name, Pizzagate on internet forums. In fact, the conspiracy theorists actually hypothesized that Comet Ping Pong was code for child pornography, i.e. CP. And that the fact they called themselves Comet Ping Pong was coded language for the fact that a satanic, cannibalistic, pedophile cult was actually functioning out of this pizza parlor what do we do about all this well let's start with the positive side i'm not of the of the opinion like many are that conspiracy theorists pose the greatest single threat to our freedom and our liberty and our societies these days i'm reading a lot more panicking articles and opinion pieces and podcasts about how the world's about to end because of conspiracy theorists no it's not just like jihadis, which I helped investigate for 15 years, the vast majority of conspiracy theorists couldn't organize the proverbial piss-up in a bar and are nothing but cowardly, incapable, incompetent people online who like to share stupid ideas about how the world functions. And conspiracy theories have been around a long time, folks. Ever since Eve tried to convince Adam, the devil made her do it in eating the apple. This is a long-held human phenomenon. And I'm not going to go into a lot of details in terms of why we have conspiracy theories. There's a fascinating presentation at the recent Canadian Association of Threat Assessment Professionals, KTAP conference online last week. And a very good friend of mine, Peter Collins, who's a long-standing civil servant in Ontario, he's a, he's a great friend, a great guy, was talking about conspiracy theories. You know, what are they? They're, they're you know, these proposed rumored plots that are carried out in secret they're carried out by a powerful group of people in the background. They pursue sinister goals, and and they, you know, they're often, you know, brought out to explain things like why was Prince, why did Princess Diana die in a car crash? Well, it wasn't a car crash. It was MI6 that killed her, and you know, um, Obama really wasn't American. He was not born in America, therefore he didn't he didn't qualify for the presidency. And as Peter points out, I mean, conspiracy theories usually have thrived during times of crisis and social upheaval. Again, there are ways to explain it. Bill Gates created the coronavirus in order to profit with Jewish organizations to make money from the vaccine and to use the vaccine to implant people with microchips. 5G causes cancer. All these types of things go on and on and on. And, you know, the case of Comet Ping Pong, I think, is a good one in the sense that it does show that on occasion, the average idiot will choose to act on this conspiracy theories in a violent way. But 99.99% of people will not. Bottom line is that I'm glad that my former colleagues at Canadian Security Intelligence Service or CSIS are looking at conspiracy theories as a potential threat to national security under Section 2C of the CSIS Act. I'm not sure I call it terrorism, but then there's there's room for argument there. The debate's still going on, but we are ill-served by granting this particular form of idiotic thinking according to the same importance as, for example, jihadi violence or other forms of white supremacist violence. Yes, there are elements of conspiracy theories in all kinds of terrorist movements, including the jihadis. But I, for one, don't lay, a- lay awake at night worrying about the next QAnon attack. Again, I think people are, are on board for us. They're they're standing on guard for us and doing these things. But let's not make a mountain out of a molehill. And as for Q, whoever he may be, this mysterious figure on the internet, when I think about Q what I like to think about is the character played by John DeLancey on Star Trek next generation. He was this uh, extra dimensional being of unknown origin who possesses a me- measurable power over time, space laws of ph- physics, etc. A bit of a joke character. And he appeared in the very first episode of Star Trek next generation, 87. Uh, he was a lot of fun. And so when I choose to lose sleep overnight over Q, it's, is wondering what, you know, whether, whether the Q figure will resurrect itself at some point in future Star Trek series. Anyhow, that's what I think about QAnon and conspiracy theories. What do you think? Do you worry about conspiracy theories from a violent perspective? Should we devote more resources to investigating conspiracy theorists? Where do those resources come from? love to hear from you. You can reach me on email, borealisrisk at gmail.com, or on Twitter at Borealis Saves. You can also find me on LinkedIn and on Facebook. If you like the content and want to get more, go to the website, borealistreatrisk.com, hit the subscribe button. You get a free daily digest of all the blogs, Today in Terrorism, Perspectives, Quick Hits, longer Canadian intelligence aid podcasts, etc., free to your inbox every day. There's also a link to my new book, The Peaceable Kingdom, A History of Terrorism in Canada from Confederation to the Present, only available from the website because it's self-published. Love to hear from you. Feedback on this and other material. I'll talk to you again soon. Until then, stay safe.